Money Radio for a really great future. We're talking real money. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Talking Real Money podcast. I am Don McDonald. Thank you very, very much for listening. This week, we have tons of written questions. Holy mackerel, we got a lot of written questions. So we're going to have to spread them over a couple of podcasts. We have so many of them, and we have no called-in questions. So there's an opportunity for all of you who like to call and ask questions to call the podcast at 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. And I will try and help you with almost anything that involves money. I will do my best to answer your questions in the in a manner that's in your best interest, not other people's, not mine. 855-935-TALK. Give me a call, 855-935-8255. And uh, it's really easy. You can call 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But you can also send questions in through our website, TalkingRealMoney.com, which is the show site. Makes sense? Today... Let's talk a little bit about the future. Now, you know, if you've listened to this podcast for any time at all, that I do not believe that there is any way to accurately predict the future. But that doesn't stop people from trying. And it doesn't stop you from wanting to know. And I understand why you want to know. But some of the things you want to know are impossible to know, like what will happen in the future. We can make educated guesses, and we need to guess because you need to guess to plan properly. You need to, for example, have some kind of at least expectation of what you can expect your investments to return over the next 10 or 20 or 30 years. Problem is you can't know it. So all we can do is look back at the past and try to extrapolate from the past the potential future. A lot of people do this. They do it in a variety of different ways. Some have formula formulas that they uh, that they use to try to guess what returns might be like. And you can use you can apply common sense to this too. For example, the past ten years, the thing that most Americans invest in in one shape or another is the Standard and Poor's 500 U.S. large company stocks, the biggest companies in the United States. Well, the Standard & Poor's 500 has had a really, really good decade, about 13.5% return on average per year. That's huge. The problem is we tend to straight-line project. Now, if you're, ex if you're going to assume a 13.5% return going forward, you're a fool. That's stupid. If you're even going to assume 12, that's stupid with semi-apologies to Dave Ramsey, whose claim is, in my opinion, stupid. I mean, the total return for the S&P 500, for the large cap growth portion of the audience of the, the market that he always uh, espouses, over 20 years, it's been about 6.5%, not 12. So if you live through that last 20 years, it was less because we had a period in there where the S&P 500 didn't make anything. So what can you expect going forward? Lots of guesses out there. Uh, Research Affiliates, which is headed up by a guy by the name of Rob Arnott, uses some formulas. And 
They've come up with a number for the next 10 years for U.S. large companies, which when you think about it, kind of makes sense. Because if you average it all together, over 20 years, a 7 or 8% return should be pretty darn reasonable. It should make you very happy. So given that we've had 13.5%, what do you think the next 10 years might bring to average it all out? Yeah, less. Their guess is 2.4% per year for large U.S. large company stocks. That just sounds bad. 2.5%? What about bonds? Well... I've always said you shouldn't expect bonds to make anything except their yield, their coupon, the what they pay in interest. Anything else is gravy and usually only happens because interest rates have fallen. That's why bonds returned 8% last year, because nobody expected that rates would fall, and they did. So expect maybe two from your bonds. So what does that leave you with in a stock bond portfolio if you're all U.S. large and bonds? 2% per year over the next 10 years. Ooh, that's depressing. But you see, this is why we're global in our approach. If you had owned over the past 10 years, well, I'm sorry, let's use 20 years. I'd rather use 20 because remember it had that bad period for the S&P 500 in there, 2000 to 2010. And if you had put your money into a well-diversified global portfolio of just stocks like we suggest, you would have returned about 8% per year. Whoa, that's better than that six or so. That's why we have internationals. Not because we think they're going to make more money over over particular periods of time, but because they don't all move in lockstep. U.S. stocks and international stocks don't move together. And it's interesting because Rob Arnott's numbers from research affiliates show that foreign stocks, they expect to return about 7% per year that they expect emerging markets, which we believe you should probably have in a properly diversified portfolio. They're putting them, they're pegging them for about 9% per year, which means if you have a total stock portfolio, their expectation is for about 5% per year. Not going to get anybody rich, but we don't know that that's the right number either. But we can reasonably expect that a diversified portfolio is usually going to track somewhere between the extremes and that's what you should be looking for because you're never going to be in the right market at the right time because you can't know which one's going to be right when and that's the key you not only have to know that it's going to be right but you have to know when it's going to be right and you can't do that so what you have to have is one reasonable expectation so if you were to say to yourself all right great 10 years i'm happy Let's say the next 10 years only return 4 or 5% per year. Make that my expected return if you have a globally diversified portfolio. And then if it's better, you're not going to be disappointed. If it's worse, at least you weren't expecting 12% per year, which I have a hard time expecting anybody to get over the next decade. But, hey, it could happen. I don't know. And remember, you can call us anytime at 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255, 
or you can send us questions. You can actually type them out and send them in at TalkingRealMoney.com. Just hit the contact form, and let's go through a couple of those in this podcast. Let's start with this one, and uh, let's see. It's about inheritance. My question is relatively simple. I intend to leave a sum of money to my kids when I no longer need it. I'm currently in the accumulation stage and was wondering if I'm better off to save it in a traditional IRA or a Roth. I understand the benefits of each for myself, and I will have some in both, but for the purposes of inheriting it, which one is better? Does it does the traditional IRA get a step-up tax basis at my death? No, it does not. At your death, your beneficiaries have to take distributions and pay taxes on those distributions within the next 10 years, that's the new rule, at whatever their tax bracket is. So IRAs don't get step-up. If you owned a stock mutual fund, you know, like the Vanguard Total World Stock Index, and its value increased. Capital gains distributions along the way and income distributions, those are taxable. But any increase in the value of the total portfolio, that would have a step up, but not in an IRA. Because the IRA enjoyed a tax deduction and tax deferral, no matter who takes the money out of a traditional IRA, it gets taxed. However, a Roth IRA does not get taxed to anyone. A Roth IRA does not have required minimum distributions. So a Roth IRA is the better way, in my opinion, to pass money on to your heirs. Because remember, a Roth IRA didn't give you any tax deduction initially. It's just saying you don't have to pay any taxes on what is in it, any growth within it as long as that money remains in the Roth IRA. That's a huge advantage. However, heirs do have to start or do have to have everything out of a Roth within five years of when they inherited it. Um, now, that does not apply to spouses. Spouses can extend withdrawals from both, as a matter of fact, from a regular IRA over their life expectancy and uh, uh, for the Roth, too. So it's different for spouses. But for everybody else, you said kids, it's... 10 years on a regular, five years on a Roth. Uh, I think the Roth is the best way to pass those along, though, because of the tax-free nature of the distributions. Thanks for the note. If you'd like to send one, send it to TalkingRealMoney.com. Use the contact form there or send it through TalkingRealMoney.com. Or give us a call at 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. Our next question is also about Roth and traditional IRAs, this time for young adults. It starts out, Tom and Don, I was reading a Roth versus traditional IRA article on Barron's Apple News. That's where we read these days, right? And found the passage below telling young people they might be better off doing traditional instead of a Roth IRA to be contrary to my thinking and what I've heard from your show slash podcast. I'm giving my young adult kids advice and want to make sure I'm giving them the best information I have. Good idea. My understanding is, in general, a Roth is better than a traditional IRA for young adults because of the tax-free growth. However, I can think of at least one crazy scenario. Isn't there always a crazy scenario? There's always a but-if, and there are but-ifs, by the way. 
the crazy scenario is extremely low taxes in the future might make the traditional the better choice. <laughs> yes, it might. I understand every investor is unique, but given but given under what possible scenarios are there that would make a traditional a better option than a Roth for, say, a 23-year-old starting their full-time work? Work, not worth work. In addition, employees who invest solely in a... Oh, this is from the article. Here's the quote from the article. In addition, employees who invest solely in a traditional 401k will have more money invested during their working years since the contributions went in tax-free. For younger workers, the additional investment gains in a traditional 401k could be substantial in their retirement years and could possibly offset the tax-free distribution advantage of a Roth 401k investment. Yeah, there are always possibilities, but generally speaking, when you're 23 and you're starting, as you said, their full-time work, your full-time work, generally speaking, those are not your top wage-earning years. At least they weren't mine. I would have been better off putting money in a Roth, no matter what the tax situation was, because at that time, the tax break didn't do me a bit of good. And that's the case for most young people. The tax deduction isn't going to make much, if any, difference because they tend to be in low brackets. It is an individualized scenario. But in general, younger people are better off, in my opinion and Tom's opinion, putting money into a Roth IRA or 401k because the odds are... are and I'll ask you, are you expecting that tax rates will be higher or lower in the future? Don't know. I, I get it. But you're probably, if you, particularly if you're a good saver, no matter what the rates are, if you're a great saver and investor, when you get to retirement, you're likely to have one heck of a good income because you planned. People who do that tend to have great incomes and they pay a lot in taxes. Wouldn't you rather have a pool of money that could come out tax-free than one on which you're going to have to pay taxes at your regular income bracket? I think that, that that's, that's it's a quibble. And Barron's quibbles a lot. Barron's tries to throw wrenches in things. It's, it's their M.O. And let's sneak in just one more question before we put this podcast to bed. And this one comes in from South Carolina, a Vantis question. I know your thoughts on DFA, dimensional funds, and index funds, but I would like to hear your thoughts on Avantis Investors ETFs and mutual funds. I think they may prove to provide more DFA-like options for people who do not invest through an advisor. Yes, they they currently they do because of their ETFs. Now, both Tom and I are not 100% sold on ETFs, but we're really it's almost it's almost us quibbling now, um, only because there's still that market maker question. Is everybody going to stand behind their commitments in a rapidly declining market? For now, we're on the fence. We're talking to Avantis. We are analyzing their products. We are looking into them. Uh, the problem, I don't have a problem with their ETFs, though, in terms of individual investors getting in them. I don't know how they're going to make their mutual funds available. I hope that they're not going to make their mutual funds available to the general public. I hope they will do like dimensional funds and only make them available through fee-only fiduciary advisors. 
there's a reason. And it's a reason that might keep me from using their funds. Because they can become trading vehicles. And that would cause the fund to have to go out to the marketplace in a rapid sell-off, sell a lot of stocks in a sell-off at much lower prices. And we're generally talking about very small company stocks, emerging markets, that kind of thing, where the where the trading is light, where the market is thin. There aren't a lot of trades taking place. If there's a rapidly declining market and there aren't a lot of buyers, then to get the cash that a mutual fund needs to meet distributions, that would require selling at fire sale prices. That worries me a lot about public access to very small cap, uh, micro cap, emerging markets type funds, the kinds of things we like to see from a company like this because they have shown that they help balance a portfolio out. That problem shouldn't occur with ETFs, although, again, that's our ETF beef that will the market makers stand behind it because, you see, you don't have to sell the stock in an ETF, you just trade it back to the market maker for the cash. So um, it's you're not supposed to have that kind of volatility in an ETF. Not supposed to. I'm not 100%, but we really, truly are looking at Avantis as a, a potential option. But again, the only thing they're going to offer that's going to provide a bonus to the individual investor are going to be those very small cap type the very lightly traded type portfolios. And if there are problems with those, then where's the benefit? That's my concern. So I so want to express the concern. I really appreciate the question, and I appreciate all of your questions. I really, truly do. I love your questions. And please send them in at TalkingRealMoney.com. Click on the contact form or call them in. Just speak them. And I'll go grab them and put them in the podcast at 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. Thanks for listening to the Talking Real Money podcast. Tell friends, subscribe, please, please, please. We'd really like to move up in the top 50 on Apple Podcasts, but it's really hard to get up there with all these con artists up there. So try to push us ahead of them. There are good shows there too, but there are more bad ones than good ones. We want to get pushed up. Help. Thank you. Take care. I'm Don McDonald. Talking Real Money. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for educational and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately, consistently predict the future. So, past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. That should keep the lawyers happy.